Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. That zoom in on my massive head if you're watching on uh, Super, on Super Talk TV. Goodness gracious, Brian. Gotta bring that back a little bit. There. That's 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 better. That's better. No, nobody wants to be that close to Brian Adad. But that's who I am. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi on a Wednesday evening. Rhino down there in Studio X. He'll be making sure all of the uh, the shenanigans uh, remain at a respectable level uh, throughout the show. We've got a lot to talk about here on the show. We've got we got to dive into the portal a little later in the show. We're going to talk some college football, but we will start. We're going to come out of the gate firing today. Because there's only three games left in Mississippi State's baseball season, in my opinion. I don't see the Bulldogs getting enough done and enough happening around the conference for me to say that they're going to make it to Hoover. And so with that, we'll come to the end of the maybe the worst, probably the worst two-year stretch of Mississippi State baseball history. Uh, back-to-back seasons of, of not even making the SEC tournament. Uh, State, I, I believe, will finish under 500 for the second straight season, just awful in every possible aspect of it from a performance standpoint. And from a pitching standpoint, without doing any research, I'm telling you this is maybe the worst pitching staff in SEC history. So the question is, what's going to happen? What's going to happen on Monday morning? Uh, I guess that would be, what, the 21st? Is that, did I have my dates right? I was close, the 22nd. Um. Will Mississippi State announce a new head coach, or will there be no announcement? And Mississippi State will just move forward uh, with the search for a pitching coach and 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 bring back Chris Limonis for for a third try at putting this program back on the map as one of the nation's elite programs. My thoughts on the matter are, are, are pretty well known at this point. I have trouble buying into the idea that a coach that has let the program slip from point A to point B can bring it back to point A. You know, if it's a one-year blip, you have a year where it's just some things go against you and you, you have an up-down year, but the next year you're back in business. Okay, it happens. You can forgive that. But two years in a row is a trend. And, you know, when I look at this team next year and I see how much work is going to have to be done bringing in portal players and Getting guys developed and, and and turned into you know real legitimate SEC players, especially when we're talking about pitching. Oh, and you've got to go hire a pitching coach, and you're going to bring him in and say, "Well, you know, you're in a situation where if the head coach, if it's not a good year next year, you're not going to be here very long," which means you probably have to overpay, and you're setting yourself up to pay a buyout next year. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of burden. And for me, 
And I think it should be this way for you guys. And I don't try. I try not to pin my beliefs on y'all. That you know, you guys can believe what you want, and you guys can think what you want. And I'm not going to tell you, you know, how to think. But what I do think is this: if you believe Mississippi State is an elite baseball program, if you believe Mississippi State belongs in the same tier as Vanderbilt and LSU, uh, uh, Louisville. Who doesn't have a national title? Um, but you, you see where I'm getting at. The, the top, top tier of college baseball. Would LSU give Jay Johnson back to back? I mean, he hasn't done anything at LSU. They pushed Maneri out, and all he was doing just kept getting to regionals. He was hosting regionals. And they pushed him out. Would, would Corbin get back to back? last and second-to-last place finishes in the SEC and keep his job with O'Sullivan, with Van Horn. He doesn't have a national title, but would he? I say no. You know, if you want to make the, the, the change to football, you know, never mind just having a, a bad year and going 7-5 and five at Alabama. Could Saban survive back-to-back losing seasons? Could Smart? Smart's won the last two national titles, but could he survive? If, if something happens this year and Georgia goes 4-8, and eight, I'm not 100% sure they bring him back, period, but even if they did, if they did and he goes 4-8 and eight again, he's not getting in the third year. He's gone. That's, that's the end of that. So that's just me. I would make the change. You know? Got to go full Vito Corleone here. It's not personal. It's just business. I like Chris Limonis. He might not like me after hearing all this if he does, but such is life. I mean, that, that's my thought process there. I, I don't buy into the idea of him being able to turn it back around. I think you need a change in leadership. But what do I think is going to happen? That's the other part of the question. That's the other part of the equation. I think he's going to be back. I think that's where it's trending. And I think he gained. If State had gone down to LSU, you know, you go back to Friday night, they get they get run ruled for the sixth time this year, and it looks bad. And you know, Saturday they're 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 losing. They come back to win. Sunday they're getting absolutely pounded, and it looks like there's going to be a run rule at any second. And then they come back to win a, a heck of a game, and they win a series. And look, great moment. Don't can't take anything away from it to go down to LSU, one of the best teams in the country, and get the series win. Great moment. But I think there's a lot of people who are putting way too much emphasis on one series. But I think that's what's happening. I think people are looking at that and going, okay. And, and, and look, what happens this week if he wins this series? Then, then you, you might be able to point to that and say, look, yeah, he made the change with the pitching coach. Yeah, they lost. They got swept by Arkansas. Well, the 2021 team got swept by Arkansas, and they won a national title. Arkansas just has Mississippi State and Chris Limonis' number. Just the way it is. Same way he has Ole Miss's, Arkansas, Jay Van Horn has his. It happens. You know what? I can buy into that. You could sell me on that. And then you beat LSU, and then you win this series with A&M. You got some positive juice. There's no question about that. But you know, if you really look at the program and where it is, I mean, it's not the call. It's not my call to make, but it's not the call I would make either. But it feels like that's where it's trending. Now, I want to be very clear when I say that that that's just the impression I get from talking to people. That's just the impression I get 
from seeing how things are, are developing at Mississippi State. I don't know what Zach Selman's going to do. And anybody that tells you they know for sure is lying to you. Zach Selman is an athletic director. You know, he's not even, you know, what he's, what's five months into the job? He could very well want to make a statement and, and put his own stamp on this program and make a change. He could want to do that. He could also be a guy who's like, maybe I'm a little too early in my tenure to be rocking the boat and firing a guy who won a national title two years ago. So it's a tough call. And look, it's absolutely a tough decision. And it's, you know, fans are so black and white about it. it it's, you know, they're, he's got to go, or, or he's, he has to stay. And, you know, there's people's jobs and families and everything else are, 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 are in this, and you don't ever think about that, you know? Because if Lamonis goes, well, then Gotro goes and Cheeseboro goes, and they got to find new jobs, and all the other staff goes. But at the same token, if they stay and they're not good next year, you know, what does baseball look like? What does uh, what does the week you know to attendance look like? What do Starkville businesses have to do? Are they going to suffer? You know, it's it's not it's not a decision made in a vacuum of just we're going to change coaches and that's how life moves on for us. It's it's got to be you know you got to think bigger picture than that. That's why I you know I feel like they're not. I feel like it's not a big-picture thought to say, well, he was able to get that series from LSU, so clearly things are trending in the right direction. LSU's flawed. They're a really good team. They may win the national title, but they're flawed. The SEC this year doesn't have a dominant team. they got some really good teams. Arkansas is really good. Vanderbilt, they're trending down, but they're good. Florida's good. South Carolina's good. LSU is good. Kentucky's pretty good. But there's no dominant Arkansas, Tennessee team like you've seen the last couple of years. They're just mowing everybody down. So what's going to happen on Monday? The uh, I've already forgotten when it was the twenty second. My guess is, and, and if you're one of those people like State will announce that he's staying, no, they're not. They will not announce. Nobody has ever been announced that they're keeping their job. It just won't be an announcement. And then maybe a week or two later. You find out who the new pitching coach is, and then players will start coming in from the portal, and then you go into fall ball, and that's just how that's going to work. So we'll see. We'll know for sure in you know five days. When we come back, speaking of the portal, some big news for Mississippi State: some big time players uh, coming in to Starkville, not only for football but for, for for basketball. We'll talk about them when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming! Back here on Thunder and Lightning. 
Super Talk Mississippi. If you ever miss this podcast or anything else we do here on Thunder and Lightning, it's all available to you wherever you get podcasts and at supertalk.fm. Had a really good week on the podcast this week. Tomorrow's podcast is a lot of fun. I talk with Cole Kublick of the SEC Network, a little college football talk. Actual, actual college football talk. Talk about the sport of college football, in case you're wondering. Uh, also, Robbie and I have a, a reveal. Robbie Falk and I have a reveal about a really cool project we've got coming up this summer that I hope you guys will, will enjoy. Uh, plus, uh, th- this week we've had some great interviews uh, with uh, Charlie Ewing uh, from the uh, Mississippi State women's golf team. They'll be playing for a national title. This week I guess i got to get Coach Dusty Smith on as well. Uh, his team advanced today uh, into the NCAA National Championship Tournament in Scottsdale with a win in the Morgan Hill uh, Invitational. So good stuff on the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. Hope you guys are checking it out. Subscribe, rate, five stars, review. You can say whatever you want in the review. Call me whatever name you want. Talk about my mama. Just give me five stars. That's all I ask. That's a fair trade, in my opinion. Please don't talk about my mom. She's a saint, though. She's a lovely woman. Um, you guys are going on the text line here, by the way. Let's uh, let's let's have a look, let's look at some of these things. First off, I wanted to just from the six hundred one. I got to say, even as an Ole Miss fan, that's a pretty good intro. Thank you, sir. I, I played a large role in it. I, wa- I I knew when when I came up with this show, I was like, we're going to have some Jack Crystal. That's faux show going to happen. Uh, from the six six two, sample size is too big. He is what he is. I tend to agree. Two years of downward spiral is, is what it is. Listening to Jack Crystal and the music to open this show is better than anything MSU baseball has done this year. I agree. Make the change. Eesh. CC and Senatobia, winning that national championship should have been a momentum builder, not a train wreck afterwards. I mean, it's the same at Ole Miss. State at Ole Miss? How has this happened? These are two of the best programs in the country. They finally win a national title. You're like, time to take off. Time to dominate this sport. Look at them. It's crazy. I don't. I don't get it. From the six hundred one, one reason this is difficult. They waited two weeks too long to pull the trigger on Foxhall. You could have pulled the trigger on Scott Foxhall. Be honest with you, coming out of that tournament in Texas, State's pitching was so bad in that tournament. You could have made the change there, but they didn't. Brad says the buyout could end up costing you around ten million by the time you buy out your current coaches and then buy all the coaches you hire. You got to think about it in these terms, though, Brad. You're paying coaches next year either way. That money is irrelevant. You're probably going to pay less because Lamonis makes 1.25. I don't think you're going to bring in a new coach at 1.25. But that that money is spent regardless. The money for Gotro, the money for whoever the pitching coach is, the money for Cheeseboro, and the money for Lamonis, that's spent. So, yeah, there may be a buyout, but don't add the other salary in there because that money is getting spent either way. Uh, George from West Point says, if they do not change the coaching staff, then next year there will be no problem finding a seat at Duty Noble. I hope they clean house with this coaching staff. Bubba and Starville, Brian, it's not a tough call. If MSU is truly an elite program, you made the point earlier. Another one from George. State and Ole Miss resting on their laurels. I don't know if that's the case or not. I feel like they tried. This hasn't worked out. So Let's change gears. And ladies and gentlemen, at this time, please do not adjust your radios as we step foot into the mysterious transfer portal. All right. Of all our sound effects, that might be my favorite one, even more than the Cretan song. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, let's start in football. 
MSU brings in Kevon Lee, a running back from Penn State. He was the Nittany Lions' leading rusher in 2021, battled injuries this past year, but comes to Mississippi State. This is my kind of transfer announcement, by the way. No graphic, no video, no nothing. Just enrolled. Just enrolled and said, all right, I'm here. Time to start work. Love it. That's as blue-collar as it gets. He's a Mississippi State guy already. He's already grinded. Um, I found an interesting state wanted a running back. Uh, you know, I thought that they were probably just go. You know, Marks, Woody Marks, Simeon Price, Jeffrey Pittman, and Seth Davis. Maybe they want a redshirt Davis, which is possible. I think he's a big play machine down the road for the Bulldogs. I really like his talent. But they also wanted to get somebody that was Power Five proven. You know, you had that last year with Marks and Johnson. You needed to replace Johnson. You needed to have a guy that you could trust to do this. And honestly. The Kevin Barbe offense, if you look at the stats from App State last year, kind of what State's offense was for receivers under Mike Leach. They were a lot of guys. That's why State's lost four receivers this offseason, this spring. And you know, five if you go back to uh, to Rara Thomas. Because they know that they're not going to be rotating eight, nine receivers anymore. It's going to be a tighter rotation. But the running backs know that there's you know, the third and fourth guy are still going to be getting carries. There's going to be more two-back sets and more opportunities there. So Kevon Lee joins the Bulldogs uh, football team. I think probably a couple more guys to come. I think they probably want to get, you know, there's obviously a, a lot of talk about a defensive lineman, uh, Stephon Wynn, transferring in from Nebraska. Uh, I believe he's put down to, it's, it's, it's a good old-fashioned in-state battle, state versus Ole Miss. I need to text Borky, see if he wants to have another source off. See how that goes. Um and then State would just probably take a best available guy if there's somebody they really like. You know, I don't think they want to get a quarterback at this point, but I do think that's going to be priority one for next year. I think, you know, you look ahead to next year when Will Rogers is in all likelihood moving on. And you have Mike Wright, you have Chris Parson, you'll have the true freshman coming in, Josh Flowers. That just sort of makes me think that they want to have a bridge there. Like, I don't think Wright is going to be the starting quarterback for State next year. So you want to have a guy in here that you know you can bridge, and that way Chris Parsons not you're not throwing it all on him as a redshirt freshman. That's just my thought process there, but we'll see. Basketball was where the really big name comes in. They got a guy last Friday. This isn't the big name, but it's a big guy, uh, Jimmy Bell. Now I I want to preface some things here. I want to make some things clear. His stats aren't overly impressive, right? Five points, five and a half rebounds a game for West Virginia. Now, West Virginia was a tournament team. What is impressive is this is the backup center. Chris Jans went to a Power 5 school, well, got a player from a Power 5 school who started every game last year and recruited him to come in as the backup. That's good recruiting. That's high-level recruiting, in my opinion. That's a good job. He'll, he'll either back up Tolu Smith or he'll back up Will McNair. What's Tolu going to do? Well, the 31st is the day he has to declare by. We'll find out when we get there. If you said, Brian, which way is he leaning? I say he's leaning towards returning to Mississippi State. Lucas and you, how dare you not say Vic Sutton as a quarterback? I, I, Vic Sutton's a good-looking athlete. We'll see how that goes. Elizabeth from Gautier, it's Southern Miss time. Scott Berry's last year. Let's go Eagles. This is the Mississippi State Show, Elizabeth. The Eagle Hour is available to you at supertalk.fm every day, though, and on Supertalk Laurel. 
You can hear all you want about you, about your your Eagles. Luke Johnson doing a great job for them. We'll have Luke Johnson on with us tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk about Scott Barry and his his great legacy uh, in Hattiesburg. So Jimmy uh, Jimmy Bell, good quality depth piece. State needed another big man because if Tolu comes back, Will McNair will go in the portal. I think he showed enough next last year to show that he can play elsewhere. So had to have that guy. It was Saturday night that the big news came in for Mississippi State, and that's that Marshall guard Andrew Taylor had committed to Mississippi State. He jumped in the portal five days later, picked up offers from almost every basketball team in the country. If you look at his list of interest, it was long and it was impressive. And he ends up going to Mississippi State. This is a kid who averaged 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists a game for Marshall, another tournament team last year. He shot 37% from behind the arc, which and you may be wondering this, but you may just already know it, or you may just have figured it out from common sense. He would have been far and away State's best three-point shooter at 37% last year. That's an outstanding percentage. He would have been in the top 15 in the SEC. That's a game-changer for State last year. If they had had a guy like that last year, they probably weren't in the play-in game. They probably had won two or three more games. This is a big, big pickup for for. For Chris Jans and company. And so Jans is kind of sort of in the same spot as, as Arnett there. He's, he's got one more spot to give. We'll see who, who they bring in. They're trying really hard with a kid named Jalen Sellers, who's another guard, big-time shooting guard from Ball State. He's visiting some other schools right now. We'll see how that pans out. But the addition of Taylor is a big, big addition for Chris Jans. When you look at this team next year, and what they're going to bring back, if Tolu comes back, Cam Matthews and DJ Jeffries back, Shaq Moore back, Deshaun Davis back, Jimmy Bell coming in, Trey Ford and Josh Hubbard from the recruiting class, Keyshawn Murphy, can he can he improve? I think he can. That's another tournament team. No question about it. Let's talk QB1 when we come back. Elizabeth's, a, Elizabeth's an Ole Miss fan. Well, I can't help you on that one. The Rebel Report with Michael Borky. Check it out. Supertalk.fm. We'll be back on Supertalk with Thunder and Lightning at Mississippi State Show in just a moment. Thunder and Lightning on Supertalk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. I tell you guys this every week, but if you haven't bookmarked supertalk.fm, I don't know what you're doing. That's the best website in Mississippi for finding news, sports, weather, opinions, everything going on in the Magnolia State in one spot. Bookmark it today. Every podcast we put out, it's there. Every radio show that we do, it's there. You want to watch live? There's the link. And of course, all of the news as it breaks. Politically, in the state, in the federal government, locally, it's great stuff. If you haven't checked it out, supertalk.fm. So I did an interview last week with Jacob Hester, former LSU running back, 
uh, who is now uh, the host of uh, After Further Review down on ESPN 104.5 down in Baton Rouge. And he's also the host of On Campus uh, on Sirius XM Radio. And then for tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning, I think I mentioned it earlier, I'm talking to Cole Kublik uh, from the SEC Network, from ESPN, also a former SEC football player. And they both talked to me about Will Rogers, and they were both very, uh, I like using this word, effusive in their praise for Will. Um, they that Jacob specifically said that he, the, the labels on Will Rogers of being a system quarterback bother him. He believed he could be capable in any system, and that uh, Cole was very, very adamant that you know that this offense that Mississippi State's going to run that Rogers is more than capable of being not only successful but very successful in it. You know, I, I, we've mentioned it before. Rogers about twenty four hundred yards away from becoming the all time leading passer in SEC history. Feels like a number he should eclipse with some ease uh, in in the twenty twenty three season. And at that point, you know, he's the SEC's all-time leading passer, and he'll have been successful in the air raid, and then he'll have been successful in a very different style of offense. Hopefully Zach Arnett's not listening. He's going to get all mad. It's not that different. But that would be, you know, you know, that would make his legacy something at Mississippi State and in the SEC. And if he leads Mississippi State to another great season, an eight, nine win season, Another top twenty-five ranking. Well, I mean, there's nothing to say that his legacy is, especially on the field. It's difficult when you talk about quarterbacks in Mississippi State because Dak Prescott's legacy, so much of it is off the field, and what happened to him with his mother and the way the the Bulldogs, uh, the fan base, uh, embraced him. Right. It's it's difficult for me to ever say that he might be more beloved than Dak Prescott. But from a on the field standpoint. You've got a quarterback who's been to three straight bowls as the all-time leading passer in SEC history, and is taking you to back. You know, we're going to make an assumption here: back-to-back nine-win top twenty-five seasons. That's a pretty good resume at Mississippi State for Will Rogers. I feel like Will Rogers gets a lot more respect from people outside the Mississippi State circle, and that would include me. That would include Robbie Falk. Include a lot of, of the people here on this beat, but I feel like he gets more respect from outside than inside. Now, maybe part of that is because we see Will Rogers every day, and we see sometimes, you know, he does struggle. But if you go back to year, you know, last season, you listen to anything I said, I always pin the struggles on State's offense being unable to be, you know, uh, two-dimensional, that they would pin everything on Rogers, tell him to throw it 50, 60 times, throw away the running plays, and then act surprised when he couldn't throw the ball. So this year, in an offense I know isn't ever going to throw away the running game, and they're going to give him that support game in and game out, I expect Rodgers to be successful. But it's interesting, and I'm, I guess, you know, I'm, one person I want to interview, and I, I'm going to reach out to him in the coming weeks, is Aaron Murray himself. Aaron has now become a uh, college football analyst. He hosts a podcast with T-Bob Abear called Snaps. It's a really good college football podcast. I suggest you check it out. Um. Lot, there are a lot of good college football podcasts out there right now, by the way, that are actually talking about college football. That's one. Cole Kublik has one called The Cube Show. I would recommend that. Uh, I would recommend Josh Pate, obviously, late Kip Josh Pate. That might be the, the, the top dog. I'll try to get Josh on soon, too. But I want to talk to Aaron Murray because, you know, 
He is the SEC's all-time leading passer. So how does he view Will Rogers? How does he view the, through him through the lens of the air raid and now a new system? That's a, to me, that's an interesting discussion. I'll try to have it in, in the coming weeks. But I find it fascinating that, that and, and I'll say this, that y'all, y'all, don't, y'all don't get mad. Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you. But Mississippi State fans so often get upset when they see the, the preseason projections come out and State's sixth or seventh in the West. It's, oh, no respect. No respect for Mississippi State, none. But then you'll hear people talk talk up Will Rogers, and those same fans will be like, "Well, he's uh, you know he's all right. I mean, you know, if it weren't for the air raid, he wouldn't have the. It's like make up your mind. Do you want the respect or not? If you, if, if everybody thought the way about Will Rogers that you that these guys do, Mississippi State would get more respect as a team. Teams with great quarterbacks tend to not uh, be bad. I remember having this discussion with uh with with everybody's favorite guy Barrett Salee a few years back when Dak was a senior, and people picked State last in the West, and I just I did the research because Dak was also the first team preseason All SEC quarterback, and I said no pre no SEC All SEC quarterback only one going back to I think 1982 only one first team All SEC quarterback. Had had a losing season, and and that was and then ever, ever, and it was Jay Cutler at Vanderbilt. So I mean, he got them to five wins. That's like ten anywhere else. That's always happens. Like you can't tell me that Dak's going to be first team All SEC, but that State's going to be bad. It's kind of the same thing here. I don't think Will Rogers will be first team All SEC. I don't know that he'll be second team All SEC. I don't think he will be. My 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 initial thoughts are those will go to Jaden Daniels and KJ Jefferson. Beyond that, Dart will get some votes. Rogers will get some votes. Rattler will get some votes. I bet Milton gets some votes from Kentucky or from Tennessee. Um, trying to think my way around the conference. Yeah, they won't put Alabama's quarterbacks on the ballot. So here's a little inside baseball. If there's like not a a guaranteed starter, they don't go on the ballot. They won't put three Alabama quarterbacks on there and say pick a starter. They could do that. They could just write Alabama quarterback on there, and I might vote that first team all SEC because I know that guy's probably going to throw for over four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns. But if you if you don't know who the starting quarterback is, so at state it's obvious it's Rogers at Arkansas it's obvious it's Jefferson, so on and so forth. At Ole Miss I think it's obvious. I think it's Dart. Could be Sanders. We'll see. But I'm pretty sure it'll be Dart. So I don't know that Rogers gets that same respect. But you can't sit there and tell me that you you have respect for Will Rogers. You think he's going to be a good quarterback and that he's capable. And then turn around in the same breath and say, but I think State's going to finish last in the West. They, they, they don't go together. It's like oil and water. It doesn't, it doesn't mix. Dwayne and Brandon, is the new system going to let Will get the record? I mean, 2,400 yards passing is not a lot. That's 200 yards a game. Yeah. I, I feel pretty confident Rodgers can average over 200 yards passing a game. Yeah. For sure. I think it'll be closer to three when it's done. Jeff says Will is the best quarterback in the state of Mississippi. So good, there's a debate. Rodgers and Dart. I thought head-to-head last year, Dart outplayed Rodgers. But Rodgers' team won. And that's what's more important. I've said it before. I know I said it on the podcast. I'm pretty sure I said it on Sports Talk. That if you switch Dart and Rodgers that night, oh, a state wins by like 40. 
Rodgers will probably tell you. And really, that's the only game last year where State made a commitment to running the football and Rodgers did not play well. That's the only one. The other games where he played poorly, it's because State didn't run the ball at all and everybody knew what was coming. In that game, State ran the ball and they ran it really effectively, but Rodgers just had some bad turnovers. He had a bad night at the ballpark. But his team got the win. He did enough. Had a couple touchdown passes in that game. So he got the he got the dub. Got the trophy back to Starkville. That's all that matters at the end of the day. I think Will's gonna have a successful year. He won't it won't be this it won't be the eye popping stats he had the past couple years. But I mean, is he gonna throw for close to three thousand yards? I think so. Is he gonna throw for twenty to twenty five touchdowns? I think so. Will he keep his interceptions under double digits? I think so. I, I don't have a lot of worry about that part of it at all. I think Rodgers is a smart enough kid and, and, and understands defenses well enough and understands coverages well enough. He's not forcing the football. He's got some big play targets in Tulu Griffin and Xavion Thomas. Those are guys who can take the top off the defense. He's got plenty of good receivers in that group. He's got good running backs. He's got a good offensive line in front of him. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about where Will Rodgers is in 2022, 2023. It's 2023, by the way. Where are the flying cars? I'm trying to think back 40 years ago, which, by the way, that's really depressing that I was alive 40 years ago. I was a seven-year-old. And he said in 2023 we didn't have flying cars or time travel or something. I've been really disappointed. Like, Get on it, scientists. Should do some work. All right, we'll wrap it up when we come back. It's a Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. tonight from the other side of the fence. You know, this is the kind of, of text that I get. It makes me feel like maybe the wounds in our country can be healed. If, if state and Ole Miss fans can get along, maybe Republicans and Democrats can as well. Hey, hey, Daddy. Appreciate that, by the way. It's the first time I listened to your show. I'm an Ole Miss fan, but I totally agree with you about the quarterbacks from our team's great show tonight. Yeah. I, I like Dart. Dart is a talented football player. I was really surprised that Ole Miss brought in Sanders to even try to compete with him. I was like, just give that kid the reins. He'll get better. Now, the Walker-Howard thing makes total sense. I think Dart will be gone after next year. He'll go to the NFL. But I never understood the Sanders move. And my guess is Sanders won't be there in a few months anyway once Dart is more established as the starter. We'll see how that goes. The question I've gotten the most this week, by the way, this is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I feel like I should introduce that. Um, the question I've gotten the most this week is, what does State have to do to go to Hoover? People are people want to know. Let's start here. They have to sweep Texas A&M. 
Simple as that. They're two games back of Georgia and Missouri. So they have to get to 10 wins. They would have to get to 11 wins to be sure. They don't sweep. It doesn't matter. Because with the way the tiebreakers work, it's very highly unlikely that they'll get them, they'll, they'll, they'll be there. They could also need, obviously, Missouri and Georgia get swept. That's, that's the easiest and explanation I have. State sweeps, Missouri gets swept, state's going. State sweeps, Georgia gets swept, state's going. What happens if they finish with 10 wins each? That's where it starts getting complicated. I think state has the tiebreaker with Georgia. And look, right now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the tiebreakers are. I just know that state has the tiebreaker with Georgia and does not have it with Missouri. I think with Missouri, the, the issue is Tennessee, but the issue is also sort of is uh, Arkansas with Georgia. So I'm not really sure where it is. Georgia swept Arkansas. Arkansas swept state. Tennessee or Missouri swept Tennessee. Tennessee swept state. I don't know where the tiebreaker is that state would have to beat to go with Georgia. Maybe it's Ole Miss. State took two out of three. Ole Miss, Georgia lost two out of three to Ole Miss. That doesn't seem right, though. Why would your record against the last place team in the conference? Be that. Maybe it's the record inside the division. You know, because sweeping Arkansas doesn't help Georgia in the East. Whereas state in the West would have won series with Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss. Maybe that's what it is. But the easiest, simplest, most no nonsense, this is how it happens explanation is state sweeps and one of those other two schools gets swept. Now, the problem is this. It would be the LSU series. Ah, okay. And the LSU, that's who Georgia plays this week. Thank you, Lucas. Georgia plays LSU this week, so that would be a situation where State would have won the series, obviously, last weekend. And then LSU would be this weekend, and Georgia would lose that series. Do I think State's going to sweep Texas A&M? No. State hasn't swept anybody all year. Except for Lipscomb. So, no, I don't think State will sweep this series, and I think it will all be a moot point. And when we get to Monday, State and Ole Miss will be at home, as will Brian Haydad and Richard Cross, not going to Hoover this year. I'm of two minds about that, by the way. I, I like going to Hoover, but at the same time, I get why you why not going. You know, I, I didn't want to do what we did last year where we went and we left day one, left after day one because Ole Miss got eliminated and State wasn't there. I, I was of the opinion, if we go, let's just go. You know, we'll go. We're there. But we're not going. Fine by me. I'm more than happy to stay home. And I think Mississippi State will stay home. And then it's Arkansas going. So Arkansas is getting is involved here? I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see, though. I could be wrong, though. I, I'm telling you right now, those tiebreakers are, are crazy. Especially at, at this point in the season where everybody's kind of played everybody, but some teams haven't played each other. Like State and Georgia haven't played. State and Missouri. That would make this a lot easier, by the way. They just all played each other. <coughs> Excuse me. But they haven't. So here we are. My guess is that when we get when we get to uh, Monday, State is at home with Ole Miss. And that is the last two defending national champions sitting at home for their conference tournament. What a sad, sorry state of affairs that is. I mean, never mind. Even if they hadn't won national titles, that's two of the best baseball programs in the country 
who right now have a combined 14 conference wins. Got to be better next year. Both of them. State and Ole Miss. Got to be better next year. I don't, I'm not saying Bianco would get shown the door, but people would open the door and be like, you see that over there? And then Lamonis would have no shot in the fourth year. My goodness, no. So we'll see. All right. Thunder Lightning Podcast. Tomorrow, check it out. Cole Kublik joins me. Sports Talk Mississippi. Me and Richard Cross. Borky's still out. That should be fun. For Rhino, down in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Thank you for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.